Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, friends. Have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we eagerly, joyfully answer. We, (laughs) meaning me and my wonderful KB, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. I love that. We do eagerly answer them and we just enjoy this so much. We do. It's fun. You know, we don't always have, you know, like quotes, the answers, but we're going to give you our knowledge and our opinions and do our best and have fun along the way. So you want to start off with the first question? Sure. All right. So this one came uh, via our support. Remember, you can always write support at Lit Yoga. This came from Heart Flow Yoga. Actually, I think it came through Instagram and then our support sent it to us. But hey, I listened to your Lit podcast and Uh, find it so beneficial. So thank you. I am a newly qualified yoga teacher and trying to learn a lot more about anatomy to help my students. I currently have a student in my class that struggles with crossing his legs and a few other yoga poses that use the hips. 
I'm trying to figure out if he has weakness somewhere or if he's just really tight, but I really want to help him find the reason so we can work on it. I wondered if you had any advice to figure out what it could be or if you would be able to do a podcast around this. So thanks so much in advance. Hmm. Well, I will launch into it and I'll say, you know, anytime you see somebody that has imbalance, it is nice to consider the things that could cause it. But I think it's also just to um, to not put it into any one thing. I think that's easy to do. It almost always comes back to structure. So that could be structure uh, based on postural habits. It could be structure based on the fact that he's a male and his pelvis is inherently more stable. And therefore, the tissues around it will probably be you know, less pliable. So there could be a lot of things. Um, so you don't necessarily have to find the one thing, but work collaboratively to make it more comfortable and more balanced. And so if somebody is sitting cross-legged or not able to sit cross-legged, there could be a lot of things. It could be just sheer uh, neural tension, meaning the tension, there's just restriction in his connective tissue. It as we and what we say is he's tight, right? Just everything. Back fascia is tight, hips are tight. Um, and it's just if you can't get your spine up right, it's really hard to get your hips properly flexed and maybe a little externally rotated to sit cross-legged. And that's why you'll see it is very common in men, but this is also in women, so it's not, you know, totally gender specific. But you will see a lot of people who hunch, who round back, who rock back because they just can't get their spine upright. So I always go to, and I'll be interested to see what you say, KB, but like I always go to how can I get the spine neutral? I don't really care so much if, you know, of, of course, if the person wants to be able to do it just because everybody else is doing it, great. But that's where the language is really important. The most important thing for me, can you get a neutral spine? Because that means your shoulder is going to move better. Your, th your spine is going to move better. Your head is going to be more aligned. Your pelvis is going to be more aligned. And then your hips have a fighting chance of perhaps getting more mobile. If you can't do that, it's really hard because the spine is the center. It's the long, it's the axis. It's everything is attaching to it in some way. And if you can't get that upright, it's really hard to address the other thing. So that's where I would go to first. I would say, get him upright. So get him on a block. Have one leg straight out, you know, and one knee bent. Um, get him on like kind of the highest setting on the block or the medium setting and have him sit on his like knees, like what we would say hero's pose, which we don't do, but that kind of, you know, just so that the hip is more, uh, doesn't have the extra demand of getting deep uh, flexion and external rotation. But do what you can to get his spine neutral and then take that into everything. So if he's in a low lunge and he is hunched forward, get blocks under one knee, get blocks under two hands, et cetera, et cetera. And then the other thing is as a teacher and then as a student, it's way easier if you primarily focused on one kind of area as you also address the other areas. But if you're like, do this, do that, let's try that. You know, it's just, it's overwhelming and everything will be lost so that would be the first thing I would say is get him into neutral spine. I agree 1,000%. I, I absolutely, I'm thinking of people in my head right now who I've worked with 
who truly, when they first came to class, it was like, wow. And, you know, get them on blocks and let them know that this is a block is not making it easier. A block is making it more accessible because what we see with these mostly men, like you said, when they start using blocks, they get longer in their spine. They're able to tap into their core better, their core musculature. And I'm just I'm not just talking the abdominals, but the entire core. And going back, I think, to that that neuro tone that they 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 are probably because they are so restricted everything is on guard and when you lengthen out i find that that tends to ultimately relax them so they feel better practicing they're able to move more freely with the blocks and over time also really encourage him that this is a this is time this is practice this is going to be it could be it could be years of really working with a like you said laura a long spine giving him space with a block, building up the strength around the hips. Because again, I think a lot of times this area, it's quote unquote tight, tight, but it's also really weak. So there's no blood flow to those muscles because they're just not used very much or they're not used very well. Um, and so as we strengthen the core, as we um, lengthen the spine, as we use blocks, 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 um, we just see the hips start to open with time. Um, and they're not pushing into anything. They're not, like you said, the straighten the leg, get up on blocks. They're not cranking into anything. So the body never has to respond by, you know, tightening up, which gets that neural, you know, our body, it's like fight or flight. It's, it's fly, it's fleeing away from that feeling of I'm pushing in to try and stretch. So by just giving it that space, and then gravity is going to do the work. They're, they're um, what we call um, antagonistic muscles. You know, so we, we have our muscles that work in agonists and antagonists. And as you start giving space to move, we start able to better able to use some of those muscles that work in the opposition. And they allow those other muscles that are we would call the agonists to open. So we just start to see as people practice with a neutral pelvis, with a long spine, with space in their hips, and using the hips in fuller ranges, not trying to push, but actually actively using them in a weight-bearing position, they open up. Um, it's just the body wants to do it. Now, to your point, Laura, there are going to be people who are just built differently, uh, they are never going to look like you or me or many women who have these open hips. It's just the way they were made. So being mindful of that, too. I, it drives me crazy when I see these ads on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, like, you know, open your hips. You can look like me. I used to look like this. Nine times out of ten, I kind of call bullshit. Like, did you really look like that or did you feel like that and claim that you looked like that. When I see these people who have, oh, and in 20 weeks, I am now here. I have a hard time believing that. Um, and that is not the way to go about doing it. You know, you really want to take your time with this. You want to let it, especially, I don't know how old this guy is, but as we are getting older, we we just don't have the the fluidity to our 
soft tissues that we once had. So make sure he's hydrating as well. But and just taking this time, taking his time, use blocks, get long in the spine. He will feel more open in his hips because of that. And uh, I will be interested to see what you have to say. Yes. And just to add on to that as an idea, I think we have to always go back to what we call kinematics or just understanding biomechanics, which is you need structure to create space. And so ultimately what what you want when you see somebody like that is they don't look like they have, they look compressed, but the structure has to be there. And so the inner uh, structural muscles, the proximal muscles, the muscles that are right around the spine, inside the pelvis, those are, those have got to be, um, have structure to them to create space. And that space is actually going to come from strength. To Kristen's point, people that are tight like that are not not probably strong inside, like the inner core canister, because it, it's exhausting to fight against the tension of the outer you know, muscles and fascia, and they don't have that balance. And so bringing more structure, smaller movements, creating inner core strength will ultimately give this person or any person, more space. Great question. On that note, I had a question from Ari, and it is flexibility versus mobility. Not sure I know the difference. So this is kind of along those same lines. Do you want to? Yeah, we get this question a lot, um, especially in our level two, when we start diving deeper into, you know, more more anatomy, more kinematics, more um, of the minutiae of movement, they are very closely related. When I, as a PT, am talking about mobility, I am talking about joints. And so we will do joint mobilization. We will do range of motion of a joint. So mobility, motion, I'm thinking I'm talking about joints. So think ball and socket, your hips, your shoulders, your wrists, your knees, whatever. When I'm talking about flexibility, when I am assessing someone's flexibility, I am thinking and speaking and, um, you know, notating about their muscle length. So hamstring, so think muscle, quadricep, gluteals, piriformis, yada, yada, yada. So when we're talking about medical terms, flexibility is the flexibility of a muscle structure that's going to include the tendon you know and then we are talking about mobility in terms of joint which is going to include the ligamentous structure more of your passive restraints now i would argue that when we're looking at it in on the mat in yoga they are not exclusive of one another we will have mobility flows where we're really moving a lot but we're improving flexibility with that dynamic motion and vice versa. You know, I teach a stretch class that we are working, we're quote unquote flexibility, but we're just holding at a near end range and just breathing into that, that joint, the, the muscles to allow for increased joint mobility. So they definitely are not mutually exclusive, especially on the mat or even in a treatment setting. But when we are taking notes and documenting medically, that's what we're talking about. What do you have to say about that, Laura? Yeah, I would just add on to that. The way I usually describe it is is like that. Mobility is the joint's capacity to move in the range that 
you know, in the the biggest range that is it's made to move in. And so for the most part, there's there's always a spectrum because again, everybody's body is different. So someone might have a lot of hip flexion and hip extension, and someone else might have 20 degrees less. And that it, but they are at the fullest of what their hip joint is allowing them to do. The shoulder joint. Technically, everybody is born and has the the kind of birthright to have a full uh, shoulder range of motion. That is one of the first things that goes, unfortunately, because we do so much of um, limited range. Like if we have a full circle of of a shoulder range, we're kind of in a quarter range of it. (laughs) It's like the front part up to maybe 90 degrees, a little bit over. And so so that's, you know, so we're mobilizing the joint. You have to mobilize the joint to get the tissues pulling. And the tissues pulling, like to Kristen's point, and I also would tap in, when you talk about muscles, you have to talk about fascia because fascia is actually what connects everything, including the muscles to the bones via the tendons and connects one muscle to another. So you have a complex, you know, really when we are moving something, there's a, there's something stabilizing and there's other things that are being um, summoned in some way. And that's because of these fascial communications. So flexibility is the also the neurological ability for your body to respond in those ranges appropriately and not be like, whoa, I, you know, I'm not used to that. So I'm going to give you the signal to stop. Um, or I've been positioned like, you know, in a hunch, you know, in a rounded position. So I have some neural tension, some fascial restrictions, and I don't have the the fullest capacity for that flexibility. So it's always a balance. It's always a spectrum. And the way I like to judge it um, beyond just like the kind of PT measures is also like with what ease can somebody move, you know, and this is where we look at functional movement. Like how do you pick up something off the floor? You can ask a hundred people to do it and there's going to be some variation between that. And that is very much based on their joint mobility, on the flexibility of those tissues, and then the brain mapping that correlates with it. And so that's what we do in lit in lit yoga. We really address all of those issues, so that you know over time it's an automatic movement with ease, with the range of motion that you have available, and the and the tissues aren't impeding you. Yeah, I love it. Yay! All right, uh, I got another one here, Laura. If we want to try this one, this is from our friend Suze, who says. Um, I heard you and Laura talk about good PT versus bad PT. Good PT being someone who is looking at the body globally to address a a problem versus bad PT being someone who looks at a problem as an isolated issue. Do you have any recommendations on how to find a PT that falls into the good category? I am not sure how to approach this search. And, you know, I will say, I mean, first of all, Good and bad are very... Yeah, we don't like to use those binary terms. That's not yeah. nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I definitely <laughs> will say not all PT is created equal. And, um, you know, I guess I'll charge into that, right, since, since mm-hmm. I started. But um, just with anything, the best recommendation is word of mouth. Um, I I will ask around. I will ask... Um, I, I, you know, you'd think you'd go to the doctors, but doctors really don't know. So, you know, you can go 
she's a, we know she's a yoga instructor, you know, ask people in your, in your studio, ask people in your gym, you know, who have they worked with? You can call studios as well. And you can ask, are these PTs, you know, manual therapists, do they get their hands on you? How much time do they have to spend with you? Could be the numero uno, because a lot of clinics will only give a PT 15 minutes to spend. And that's just not enough time to serve. And it's not the PT's fault. It's the system's fault. Um, but the, your biggest, and it, it is tough, you know, when we, when I moved from New Jersey to Wisconsin, uh, you know, just kind of looking like, gosh, good gosh, where do I go for, you know, for PT and um, for my husband and, you, you you really feel stuck, but as with anything, um, word of mouth is 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 my number one recommendation, and that that does take some some searching. What do you say to that, Laura? I agree with you. It's not so much good and bad; it's the system that makes it challenging, because the system, our modern medical model, is requiring that you codify a problem and address that problem. And you have a certain number of visits to address that problem. So a, I would say a adventurous and critical thinking PT, even in that system, might kind of know how to play the game, meaning I'm going to address this low back, but I'm actually going to look at all the systems. And so, you know, this person would really look at, so that that's a way to, you know, investigate is like, ask them, you could call up and say, you know, what does the initial value look like? Do you look at just my knee? Because I feel like it might be coming from somewhere else. And if they immediately are like, well, we're here to treat your knee, you probably know that that's their mentality. And that's the mentality of the clinic. Um, Whereas other people will say, well, we're going to look at how you move. And that's a good like, oh, that's a little ding. Okay, they're going to look at how I move not just where I'm experiencing pain or where I've experienced an injury. Because if, we, uh, if we've said it once, we've said it a hundred times, where you experience pain is often not where the problem is. It's the root cause. It's not the root cause. And so I would, yeah, just, you, and, 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 you know, have this same kind of critical thinking lens in everything. If you go to a physician, is this physician just looking at your numbers and saying, great, okay, are they actually asking you questions about how you feel, how you how you know your anxiety is, how you're sleeping, how you're going to the bathroom, what's your are you having positive social um, experiences? what's your work life like? They need to look at the whole being, not just like the numbers look great, your blood sugar looks great, and goodbye. So you know, the problem is we are not you're not getting reimbursed for that time. So what I will always say is sometimes you have to be willing to pay more to get more. And it's so sad because everybody's insurance probably is pretty expensive and you'd think it would cover it. And unfortunately, it doesn't. But there's still, I will say, places that um, where you can get your insurance covering it and you will still get that kind of um, that kind of critical thinking and global look at like how you're moving, not just the place of injury. But yeah, you got to do your due diligence. And like KB said, nothing like word of mouth. You know, and ask them what did you what did they do with you? Did they put their hands on you? Did they educate you about, you know, how to move, uh, or did they just put you on machines and have you do exercises? Because that's just a glorified trainer, and that's not teaching you anything. Um, and I dare I say it might not even make you that much stronger. <laughs> so, because if nobody's watching your form, 
You're just going to be doing it the way you were doing it before. Well, these were great questions. As always, you can write us at support at letyoga.com. We love getting your questions. There are no dumb questions and there are no really off the topic questions. We don't necessarily know all the answers. We'll tell you again what we think, but we always uh, encourage you to, to research other sources as well. You can also get us on Instagram at kbwilliams99 or lara.hyman. Direct message us there. And thank you so much, KB. Love you. You're welcome. As always, we are pulling for you.